position where they'll talk. You, you got to want them to talk because you'll be nervous yourself. So you want a situation where, where, where you know, you, you have to engage in conversation, and you don't let them bring their friend with them. Now, what I used to do is I had the two for one. You could buy two for one coupon book. And, you know, you go to go to the sandwich place and. Oh, this looks good. What do we have? And, well, I don't know. And you pull out the coupon. You say, "Here's the menu." But uh, that, 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 but that's not the first date. If you go to Washington State, we've got five of America's greatest rivers. Uh, you can go hunt rattlesnakes if you want to. You can go uh, fish for sturgeon. And I'll tell you what. If you, if you if you took her sturgeon fishing, I don't believe she'd ever forget it. Welcome back to the Breaking the Jab podcast. I'm your host John Valencia. Follow me on Twitter at John Valencia BF. As always, I'm here with my co-host, Zach Hicks. Follow us right at Zach Hicks, too. What's going on, Zach? Nothing much, man. Nothing much. Glad to be back on after missing last week, but uh, I am glad to be back on today. Sounds good. We're here with a great friend, probably the best wide receiver scout in the biz, although he's probably going to tell you otherwise. But we're with Brad Kelly. Follow him on Twitter at BradKelly17. And Brad right now, he's he's on the ascent. He's uh, trending up like Deshaun Hamilton in, in, uh, in Mobile. So um, definitely want to give Brad a follow if you haven't already. He's already surpassed me. I want to say when, when we got Brad on at Breaking Football about two months ago, it was he was uh, it was uh, right around uh, right around Thanksgiving. Right, right. He was. I want to say you were at like 500, maybe 600 followers. I had like 800 and change. Yeah. And since then, he's he's at he's at. Uh, over 2,500, so he's definitely on the rise. First round of talent right now based on how he's uh, going up the draft boards. Obviously, with Brad on, we're going to talk about wide receivers. Um, we'll start with some free agents. Jarvis Landry, he got tagged the other day. Uh, Miami's trying to trade him. So, Brad, Jarvis Landry, he's been huge, just polarizing on Twitter the past couple of days. What, what's your take on Jarvis Landry overall? Right, so Landry, he's obviously kind of polarizing because the way the Dolphins use him, his usage is, is just, they give him everything short. They throw, like, all these, like, Pass behind the line of scrimmage or maybe a yard or two past the line of scrimmage. And it turns it turns out that him over having over 100 catches every year or almost every year, but his yards per catch being like nine, which is like who what receiver in the league couldn't do that? But like two years two years ago, they they didn't use him the same way and he produced pretty well. So it's kind of one of those things that if they're going to sign him for what is it, like 14 million or 16 dollars, 16, million, 16. And 16 million, and use him the way they used him this past season, I think it's kind of pointless. But if they get back to using him in a way that he could thrive, I, I think he's close to being worth that. Zach, so what, what's your take on Landry? If he was a, a Washington Redskins at that salary, how would you feel? I don't want anybody at that salary, man. Alex Smith's at that salary, and I don't, I don't even want Alex Smith. But, I mean, honestly, I, I don't mind Jarvis Landry. I think uh, it was kind of like he was, like, overrated, like, these past couple years, and then everyone started hating on him, so now he's kind of underrated again, you know? Right. It, he's not a bad receiver. I don't think he's worth $16 million, obviously, but... How many players who get franchise tagged at any given position are really worth the franchise tag money? They they get paid the franchise tag money because you don't want them to hit free agency, but you also don't want to kind of give them the long-term deal. So that's why you kind of overpay for one year. Jarvis Landry's worth that, I think, for like one year. He's, he's a good playmaker. He, he catches everything that's thrown his way. I like Jarvis Landry. So, I mean, I don't hate the deal for them, especially if they have the cap space. Right, I feel like. Um, with, with Landry, it's might as well just go grab a guy like Christian Kirk in the second or third round instead of paying Landry all that money. But um, another another huge name on the wide receiver market, Allen Robinson, he was hurt midseason pretty early in the year. I want to say it was the second or third game. Now, he, he could get franchise tag. I could see that. But, Brad, if he's coming off an injury like that, how much are you willing to really pay him? I would still give him a long-term deal because you, you've seen it with him and you've seen it at such a young age and you've seen it without a great quarterback. 
So if your team doesn't have a great quarterback, maybe your quarterback is middle of the road, like say Alex Smith for the Redskins, that you, you know that you signed to a long-term deal when he's healthy, he's going to produce. I can see a guy like Robinson kind of getting that trail prior one-year prove-it deal. I definitely think he's worth long-term money, long-term deal. But um, just, it was kind of surprising to see prior last year just get that one-year one deal, and obviously it didn't really work out for the Redskins. Brad, so coming out of Penn State, I don't know if you were as invested in evaluation and all that back then, but um, coming out of Penn State, did you have a, a strong opinion on Robinson? Um, I, thought he was, I thought he was pretty good. He, he definitely out went, uh, outdid what I thought he was going to do in his first, I think it was the second, second year in the league. He had such a great season. That, that was better than anything I thought he was going to do because he, he was kind of skinny, and I didn't really like that. But he, I think he spelled out pretty well. Definitely that, that one year he, he showed it he, that he could do it at such a young age that I think going forward, you're going to give a guy a long-term deal and you know hope he doesn't get injured. Some of the guys get injured, and he's still only 25, 26 years old. So I would, I would still give him a long-term deal. Zach, do you have any – what's the optimal fit for Allen Robinson? I've seen uh, San Francisco a little bit, maybe Chicago. What do you think? Yeah, I think those are two great fits for him. Honestly, I don't really want to see him leave Jacksonville, especially if they can find a real quarterback besides Blake Bortles, you know. I, I, I like him in Jacksonville. I think they've used him well. And I think he was on pay. I think he was going to have a good season this year if he actually was healthy. So I, I like him to stay in Jacksonville. Hopefully they can get like a Lamar Jackson late in the first round or something like that. But I don't see him leaving either. I think it's going to be the franchise tag. Uh, it, it might be a long-term deal, but I don't see any way they really let him hit free agency. Yeah, I feel like once Allen Robinson uh, goes off the market, the next big name that we'll see kind of uh, generate interest is Paul Richardson, big play maker for uh, the Seattle Seahawks, really came on strong towards the end of last year in the playoffs and played pretty well this year. Um, so Paul Richardson, ideal fit for him, Brad, ideal fit for Paul Richardson, and what do you really think about his skill set? I, I really like Paul Richardson. We were, we were kind of talking about him earlier. We think he's one of the more underrated receivers in the league. He really produced this past season for Seattle. So I think, and, and, and I think that he has one of those skill sets that it's kind of like, there's going to be a role for him in any NFL offense. You know, he's kind of one of those guys. It's not like he's not, he's not scheme dependent. So he's, he's a guy who could be coveted by a lot of different teams in free agency. What about you, Zach? What do you think about Paul Richardson? I think he's going to be the big name because I think he's going to get like overpaid in a sense because he's the third yeah. biggest name. And I think, you know, Landry's not going to hit the market. Robinson's not going to hit the market, but Richardson will hit the market. I don't think he's like an overrated player. I don't think he's a bad player, but you know, you're paying a guy 14, 15 million dollars who hasn't really been a number one to be your number one guy. I don't think he's going to be bad at it. I think he's going to be a good receiver, and I think Paul Richardson does a lot of good things. It's just I think he's going to get a bad rep early on, but he's he's going to be worth it for a team. A lot of teams are going to be pursuing him. You know, Bears, maybe Redskins. There's going to be a lot of teams that are going to go after him, and you know, he he'll get big money for sure. Bears for sure if they miss out on a guy like Robinson, which very well could happen. You see the Bears getting mocked Calvin Ridley a lot, but I don't. I just don't see them. I don't think they value Ridley or any receiver in this class as a top ten guy. So we'll see how that plays out. But I'm just a couple more names that Brad uh, sent over to me before because I wasn't really sure about their uh, wide receiver market. And I asked him to send me over some names he wanted to touch on. Like one second later, he sent me like five names. But um, <laughs> Willie Snead, John Brown, Taylor Gabriel, and your boy Danny Amendola, and Tavares King. And I actually want to talk about Tavares King because I saw you um. You highlighted one, a couple of his routes earlier in the year. And um, right. he's just an unknown guy. Like, no one really knows about this guy. So what about Tavares King makes him special? I think that he does. He does run excellent routes. And, and, and occasionally he can, like, really get open and create, create separation on, like, on like big plays, on double moves. And I think that he's kind of been underutilized his whole career. This past season, he played a little bit more than some of the Giants receivers had injuries. And he had, like, a decent season production-wise. It wasn't anything crazy. It was, like, 20-something catches. But I think in his role, if you if he is your fourth option, I think he could thrive for you because he does create that separation on like on uh, like plays that kind of 
kind of take a, long, a longer time to develop. Right. And then I see uh, Willie Sneed, Don Brown, Taylor Gabriel, all guys who have kind of showed some spark in the past, but they're probably going to get cheaper deals. So out of those three guys, Sneed, Brown, and Gabriel, Brad, who would you say will give you the most bang for your buck? I think it's going to be Sneed. So I'll, I was talking about this with uh, Brandon Robinson at B-Rob NFL, and he was so reliable for two years. For two seasons, he had over 70 catches in each of, each of the years, and that was his second and third year in the league. And this past year, he had that that suspension injury riddled season that's going to like really kill his value. But I think you're going to get back to him. You're going to get back to the 2015, 2016 version of him probably right away. And that's going to be a valuable piece for you. The people, I, I brought this up with Brandon. Uh, fourth and 10 with the St. season on the line, Breeze threw to Willie Sneed on, the, on an out route and converted it. And they went down and scored. Now, no one remembers that because of the Stephon Diggs play that happened a couple minutes later. But like, that's a huge, that's a huge play. Like, with the season on the line, who, who did Breeze go to? He didn't go to Michael Thomas. You know what I mean? He went to Willie Steen. Like people don't really realize that. that even even through his, his the season where he, he was suspended and injured, that in the biggest moment of the game, that's who Breeze was going, going for. So I think that says a lot about him, too. I mean, obviously, this past season was, was kind of a mess. But going forward, I think he could be a great a great slot player. Yeah, it's definitely a great point with Snead. You know, Breeze finding him on 4th and 10, go, going to the guy he trusts. And with Snead, as you said, it was a disappointing season, you know, especially from a fantasy standpoint. When they got rid of Cooks, I was all in on Willie Snead. You know, I thought he was going to be a PPR machine, but as you said, the injuries and suspension kind of just wore him down in the regular season. But that, that's just not enough for you to talk. This is a draft podcast. So, Brad, you released your uh, top 12, I want to say your top 12 wide receiver rankings. I'm sure you have a deeper list than that, but you made it public on Twitter the other day. And um, this guy, you got some good response, uh, good response, good interactions from it. Some good, some bad, we'll say. But um, <laughs> Dante Pettis, your wide receiver one, just I know you've done it many times before, but just put your case for Pettis right now. Right. So I, so in order to understand how I get to Pettis, number one, I think you have to understand what I value when I when I evaluate. Like I coach high school football and I coach wide receivers, and I my scale is my own. It's, I'm the only one who has it. I think I came from my head. But it's based on what I value in my players. Like, I want guys who are all-around athletes and who are versatile in the positions they play. So, Dante Pettis gets moved all-around the position. He plays, sometimes he's playing the wing, and then he's at the slot, he's outside, he's, he's going in motion a lot. He's a punt returner. He's one of the best punt returners. He's the best college punt returner of all time. He had nine punt return touchdowns. It's the all-time NCAA record. Uh, I want guys who can block. Dante Pettis gives a ton of effort when he blocks, a lot more than, say, a guy like James Washington or Portland Sutton or uh, St. Brown from Notre Dame. Like, as far as being an all-around player, he also has great ball skills. He has great body control. He has great hands. His catch rate over the last two years is less than 4%, whereas he got a top of Ridley's this past year was 10%. And, like, he, he's a little he's a little thin, but he is, you can tell he's 6'1". He has long arms, and he's explosive. He comes from a track background. He was eighth in the country in the long jump when he was a senior in high school. Adore Jackson was fourth. So he's essentially as explosive as Adore Jackson. So, like, what is Dante Pettis missing? He has an all-around game, and that's how he graded so high on my scale. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Zach and I have been really high on Pettis since uh, the offseason, doing our offseason work. Zach, so Pettis number one, wide receiver one, how do you feel about that? I, I like it. I really like it. Uh, honestly, when we were doing our podcast a long time ago with uh, Ty Worth, I think that was back in like September, was, around then. Yeah, it, like, was, it was a long time ago. long time ago, yeah. Back then, I think I had Pettis as my wide receiver two or three back then. And I mean, the first thing that pops out is just how smooth he is. Running his routes, I mean, it, it's it's awesome to watch. I, I get really excited watching his routes. I know when Brad was posting all his videos of, of uh, Dante Pettis running those routes, I was really excited watching them because they're just so much fun. And again, the body control in the air, man, it, it really stands out. Not many receivers have that. And again, he's not a huge receiver, but the way he elevates along with that body control, 
I mean, it, it's it was an easy easy prospect to grade for me. I, I love him. I, I would take him, you know, day two, early day two, easy, maybe even late day one. I really like Dante Pettis. So he's my wide receiver uh, two now, I think. I think he's my wide receiver two now. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go back and watch receivers tonight. But, yeah, he's my wide receiver two for now. Yeah, I love seeing someone other than Calvin Ridley as someone's wide receiver one, unless it's like Cortland Sutton. But I love seeing like his <laughs> wide receiver one or on the tape. Like I have wide receiver one, but Brad with with Ridley, he obviously he's, he's a consensus number one wide receiver right now. What kind of uh, what what's he lacking that Pettis has for you? Uh, I think it's the, it's the versatility. Um, it's not it's not like I dislike Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley's my wide receiver too. I've missed a first round grade, so it's not like I I'm against Ridley and just because I like Pettis, but. I think that what right now Pettis' frame, it looks kind of like he's kind of maxed out. He's only about 6'1", and he's like only like 190. But he looks like a guy who can't really add too much more weight. He looks like he's a pretty already filled out, whereas Pettis can. And then as an overall athlete, I think Pettis has better jumps than he does. And he has better hands. So like right now, and he offers more in the return game. So it's like kind of like all those little factors. I think Ridley's probably the, a better receiver overall before the catch point. And mm-hmm. then from the catch point on, and when you add in everything else, Pettis gets a higher grade. Gotcha. That definitely makes sense to me. And at three, you have DJ Moore. And Zach, I, I don't think I've heard you talk about DJ Moore much. Do you want to just give your thoughts on him? Yeah, so DJ Moore was a guy who I didn't really watch until kind of later in the process. Uh, I don't even think I watched him for our receiver preview back in September because, you know, we had so many guys that we were talking about. And Ty, I remember after the podcast, told me, go watch DJ Moore. And, I, I mean, he's an impressive dude. I think he's my wide receiver four or five now. I think he jumped up for me. Strong hands for a smaller receiver. I mean, really strong hands. And then his ability after the ball, after he catches the ball too, he's basically like a running back in space. So I, I'm a huge fan. I'm sure Brad will elaborate more on all this here, but I really like DJ Moore. I think he's my wide receiver four or five now off the top of my head. Yeah, and Brad, with DJ Moore, does he kind of remind you of any any player in the NFL currently? Uh, it's, kind of, it's kind of hard because he's, kind of, he's almost built like a running back. And when, right, he has yeah. the ball in his hand, when he has the ball in his hands, he has balance like a running back. Like, mm-hmm. He has the ball sometimes in his hands, and he's running, and I'm like, that looks like cream punt. You know what I mean? Like yeah. with, with the ball, that's that's kind of how it is. I don't really, I wouldn't really compare him to anyone just because he's he's kind of a unique build. But I really like, I really like DJ Moore. He he does have strong hands. He's another guy who has great body control, like really loose in the hips, and he attacks the catch point. Like he's got the dog, like like big time. Like I would probably say he actually attacks the catch point more so than anyone else in the draft. I mean, he doesn't have the size, so like sometimes it doesn't always work out. But he def- I think, I think he attacks it as well as anyone else. Yeah, I like these are more live. I've seen some have him as high as wide receiver one. Um, he's top five for me for sure. So at four, you have Auden Tate, which made me really happy. Definitely confirmed my thought on him. I, I have wide receiver one. So to see you having that high definitely made me feel pretty good. But why do I have – why is why is me having him at wide receiver one? Why is that too high? What What, what is Auden Tate kind of lacking that from being that top-level talent? Right, so I like Auden Tate a lot. I, I have him as my wide receiver five for now or, or four. I have wide receiver four. He's another guy, he, for, for a big guy, he's actually pretty flexible. He's, good, he's better at the break point. He has good hand usage. He blocks He blocks very well. I think he has more potential than, say, a guy like Corbin Sutton or more so Amen or any of the other bigger receivers in the class because he is more flexible. I like him as far as uh, his, like, his ball skills, his body control are great. He's probably the best player in the air in the class, and he's very aware. I keep going back to one play against Southern Miss. He's running a, he's running a post route. He goes up to, He rises for the ball off his left foot. And the safety is coming over, and he's just going to absolutely stick Auden Tate right in the stomach. And Tate's able to slow himself up in the air by landing on his left foot, the same foot that he elevated off of, instead of like extending like to the next foot. And like the hit that he took was a lot less absorbed, a lot less because he was so aware in the air of where the, the hit was coming from, and he was able to hold on to the ball 
that's kind of something that like is pretty rare for a guy his age. As far as him not being higher, it's I don't really think I don't have anything against him. Like I like Auden Tate. I just think that he's not quite there all around yet. Mm-hmm. And maybe part maybe part of that was he kept kind of getting robbed of a, of a year as a competent quarterback. Right. Um, it's, it's kind of just like I haven't really seen it yet. So it's, it's kind of like I'm a little reserved because I haven't seen it. But I think it's potential, probably the highest in the class. Yeah, it was, it was that Alabama game, the first game of the year, and DeAndre Francois was hitting, and he had, I want to say, two, like three big catches in the first half alone, and two of them, I, I believe, were working against Nick Fitzpatrick, one yep. in the end zone for a touchdown. Yep. Um, but obviously with Tate, the, I think he does have the highest upside in the class, and that's big reason I have number one, huge projection, but I'm going to stick with it. So, Zach, I know when we first did the Roger Seward podcast back in uh, September, we'll say it was, I know you, you and I were very high on Tate. I think I've kind of launched a little bit, and I'm definitely all aboard the Tate bandwagon. Um, where do you currently have him, and what kind of what kind of impression did you get from him throughout the year? Did, did he drop for you, or did he just kind of stay the same? Uh, he didn't really drop for me, just because, again, the horrible quarterback play. I don't want to really count that 100% against him. I, I am kind of with Brad, though. Like I didn't really see the breakout. And again, this is not going to the stupid dominator uh, age thing that all those all those people go into. But I didn't. I just didn't see him actually do it at consistent level enough to make him above Pettis. He's still my wide receiver three. Uh, I again, like what Brad said, I think he has the most upside in the class. And I think I said back on the other podcast, whatever you think of Cortland Sutton, like what the people are saying about Cortland Sutton, just apply it to Auden Tate, and that's what he really is. Auden Tate is the hype that Sutton's getting, and I, that's what I really think about Tate. So I really like Tate. He's my wide receiver three right now. Yeah, I, I could say that. I could have said that for the past six months or whatever. Yeah. Auden Tate is what people want Cortland Sutton to be, without a doubt. But moving on, so Brad, I love that you have Christian Kirk and Anthony Miller back to back at five and six because I think these are two prospects who are getting compared uh, pretty closely together. I think they'll probably fall in a similar draft slot depending on how Miller's medicals check out. So, what kind of gives you gives Kirk the edge here uh, compared to Miller for you? So, I, I actually think that Miller got uh, scored higher on my scale uh, than Tate and Kirk. Um, but part of the reason that I have him lower is because his, his age, he is a couple years older than those two, and the foot injury is kind of, like, scary. Like, we heard some things in Mobile, some rumblings yeah. that were, like, kind of, kind of uneasy. Like, he's going to have to sit out a year, like, that type of thing. So, as far as, like, not knowing, it's kind of just, like, not knowing. If he goes to the combine and he's healthy, and he, if he participates and he's healthy, he, he would wash all those doubts away and not put him back up to four. But for the moment, he kind of scares me as far as – his health and the fact that he's a year older, or I think about two years older. I think he's two years older than, than Tate and Kirk. So Zach, do these guys kind of sit similar spots for you as well, or where are you on Kirk and Miller right now? So I think I, I'm pretty positive I like Kirk more than I than you do, John, because I remember when we first did all this, you were really low on Kirk. I think Kirk's going to be around the la- the back half of my top ten. I know I know that the reason why Brad likes him so much is mostly the versatility and stuff like that, and that really weighs into his scale. I, I really that's why he's still in my back half, my top ten. I don't think he's the athlete that people kind of make him out to be the the four three Odell Beckham type athlete. Yeah, but, those comparisons. Yeah, back in the yeah. Summer, again, man. those that's were crazy. crazy. But I think Kirk is a very good receiver with a very good niche in the NFL, and that's why he's going to still make my top ten. Miller, I loved his tape so much. Like top five receiver on tape is just. I don't have him ranked right now because I'm terrified of the foot injury, like Brad was saying. I don't have him ranked at all right now because I'm just kind of, he's kind of like a, like to be later ranking right there because I'm just, gotcha. I'm just so scared of the foot. Once I kind of hear more about the foot, then I'll kind of be like, okay, he was my top five receiver because that's what he is right now. He's that good of a player on tape and he's so fun to watch. It's just, I don't know what's going on with the foot. Yeah, with Kirk, I don't think Kirk really offers 
offers upside, but I definitely think he could be he could have longevity in the league. Definitely a slick guy out of the slot who can who can be productive. He's been productive in college, even with other guys like um both of they had at Texas A and M. Josh Reynolds and uh, Ricky Seals Jones have had other weapons there, and he's always stood out for the past two or three years. And then seven and eight, Brad, we have two of your guys from Mobile, Deshaun Hamilton, well, Bay Sean Hamilton, I should say, with Zach and Brad here, and uh, Byron Pringle. Actually, both both of you were uh, very high on these guys. So, Brad, just Deshaun Hamilton and Byron Pringle. Um, what stands out the most about them? Uh, so, yeah, down in Mobile, Zach and I essentially fell in love with these two guys. Hamilton and Pringle both, they were, they were on different teams. So it was actually kind of nice to be able to watch them back uh, in like, different practices. But they're both so great at the break point. Uh, Hamilton, I think he has a little bit better body control, and he has better hands. Pringle kind of lets more, more of the passes get into his body than, than you would like to see. But they are guys who just they know how to get open. They're flexibility in their hips. They so, they they're so good with lateral agility. They both use their, their head, and then they, they use their shoulders. They keep clean with good hand usage. Like, they have everything you would want. And then Hamilton, on top of that, he, they were they were like 9 for 13 when they threw deep to him this year. So, like, he has like, good body control. He can rise up and go get it. He can win all levels of the field. And then Pringle, uh, I like Pringle a lot, too, because he was, he was another guy. He was a kick returner. Um, he has a size. He's like 6 foot, 2 or 1, I think, that he could probably move inside and outside. And just like, those are two guys that in Mobile that impressed me so much that I – after watching the film, I think it justified the, the practices that they had down there. And, and I, I like them a lot. Yeah, both top 10 guys for me. Yeah, I actually was going to ask you if the tape aligned with what you saw in Mobile. And was was Hamilton a guy you got to after Mobile? Because I knew you were late on some of them. There's so many receivers to watch. Yeah, so both of them were guys I got to afterwards because both of them were late additions. Okay. And Hamilton had the shrine week the week before and then got added. And Pringle was added, I think, like the day before the senior bowl week practice at the start, I think. So, yeah, but I got to both their tape afterwards. So it was more seeing them in practice for those three days and then going back and watching and seeing mm-hmm. if the tape lined up with, with what we saw. And it was funny because – um. Like, the first day we were in Mobile, the first or second day we were in Mobile, uh, I think I was talking to Zach or somebody. I was just bashing. I was like, why are they inviting Deshaun Hamilton here? I was like, get, get that fountain, dude, who just tore it up in the, in the Shrine game. And then Hamilton goes out and has, like, the best practice of any player on the field that week. Zach, you have anything to add about your boys, Hamilton and Pringle? No, I mean, Brad said a lot. I mean, Hamilton is a great route runner, and that stood out so much. Through. I mean, it was just so much fun watching him. I, I had to look away from the safeties every now and then just to catch Deshaun Hamilton running routes, and it was so much fun. And then Pringle really stood out to me the first day because I remember Brad and I were joking around. It's like, who the heck is this Pringle guy? Why'd they even invite him? I mean, it was like a very late addition. We had no clue who he was. I remember at the weigh-ins, we were like, who the heck is Pringle? Is that a receiver, really? And I looked at Brad. I was like, who is that? And he's like, I don't know. So we were we were trying to figure out who Pringle was, and then the, the first day of practice, he's, he's running by dudes. He's running the best routes of all the guys in his group. He's boxing out uh, defenders on on deep passes tracking the ball perfectly and I was like holy crap what is this this is awesome so Pringle I fell in love with on the first day and you know Pringle Hive going strong with me and Brad here yeah and part of it with part of it with Pringle too is you know he only had 69 catches in his college career his two years at Kansas State you know I think he only had 39 this past year but the reason people don't I think didn't know about him for the most of the season was because his lack of production but it stemmed from the fact that they went through four quarterbacks this year. And they had literally, right. I the film against Texas Tech, and they were going back and forth between QBs. Like, how is this receiver supposed to like, establish a rapport with a quarterback when there's just a big revolving door of it? And then on top of that, he's a couple years older because of some trouble he got into when he was a younger kid. He had a non qualified went to the Juco. So it's kind of like the perfect storm of people not really realizing who he is, only to see him in Mobile and then go back and be like, oh, this guy can actually play. Yeah, kind of like with what DJ Moore endured at Maryland. They went through like six or seven quarterbacks this year. It's just insane. Um, at nine, you have Darren Carrington, which I like. I have him a little bit lower. But um, I know you're huge on Carrington. Just tell us about what you love about him. 
Yeah, so Carrington, I, I really, really like Carrington's game. I think he has the best releases of a line scrimmage in the class. He's another guy whose lateral agility is crazy. And the thing about him is that he's 6'3", over 200 pounds, and has that agility. He, he's another guy. He's he's ripped. Like He's, he's shredded. He's able to go up and get it. He's able to high point the ball. He's like great body control. I also kind of like watching him because he's like pretty reckless. His ball security is like terrible. He'll hold the ball in one hand and like, and like run around with it and like and like dive into the end zone and like do a pose as he's diving. And it's kind of like this dude knows that he's good. And he's been he's been good to do as a freshman, you know, at, at Oregon. He, he tore it up in the in the national semifinal game. So like, and when it comes to his character concerns, this people people are gonna harp on those and he might fall in the draft because of them. Some of the stuff that he got in trouble for is kind of like he does. He did what every college kid does, right. but he just he just got caught doing it. You know what I mean? So like, and and I'm not I'm not trying to like you know sympathize with it because if you're a Division One athlete, maybe you shouldn't be doing those things. But I don't think they're that big of a concern as far as like the, the failed drug test and the DUI. Like those aren't good looks, but I think a lot of people who went to college probably did similar things. We know we know what Brad did in college. <laughs> <laughs> strides is a quick release i think he gets off the line better than mostly any other wide receiver in this draft uh, i just wanted to see a kind of a more well-rounded rounded game from him but um yeah. carrington do you, any have you checked him out yet zach i don't think you might have gotten him yet. no i haven't got to him yet i remember him in oregon for sure because he was number yeah. seven at oregon right was that his number i think it was 87 and then seven okay because i remember i remember the highlights and all the big Eight. plays at, at oregon for sure i i just haven't seen it. he went to utah right was it utah this past year yeah, yeah. so yeah i haven't got to him yet but i've heard a lot of good things i know i've heard a couple things is his long speed not very great though what, what's your guys take on his long speed though i think it's I think, fine yeah it's fine okay cool because i thought i heard okay. some concerns about that yeah, he's like separating like out of his break set. It's kind of like even if the DB recovers, able to recover, I don't think it's going to matter because he has that length to, to sky over them. And it's like his his lateral agility is honestly something to behold. It's okay. it's, it's really crazy. Like he'll press up on a guy, and then suddenly he'll be two yards away from him. And it's like how how did he even get there? Gotcha. My only other question before going: Did he miss some time this year with injury? Because I know he missed a senior bowl with an injury. I think he might miss a few games at the end. Yeah, gotcha. I think he did miss a few games. And at, at 10, yeah, I'm so upset. I always thought his name was Kiki Kute. I always thought that was the name, and that was like the coolest <laughs> name ever. It's actually Kiki Cute, Cute, Cutie. Cutie. So, Cutie. Cutie. Yeah. We talked like about him before, opposite, John. Obviously, the other name you can have. Like, it goes from dope-ass name, now it's just Cutie. But anyway, I look up a lot. You should look up what his full actual name is. Oh, is it Kivante? Kivante yeah. or something like that? Yeah. yeah. I wish he had more cut-ups. I don't have the time right now to in, in Dolge in the full games. I know Brad has, though. He's grinded it out. So, at, at 10, Kiki Cutie, what, what do you like about him? Kiki Cutie, what I like about him is he is he accelerates so fast. You see him with the ball in his hands, and he's he's literally leaving guys in the dust. And I posted a uh, clip to Twitter uh, last night, or, yeah, last night, and they're playing um, Oklahoma. And he gets the ball on a slant route, and he leaves. I don't know what number 10 for Oklahoma is. But he leaves Stephen him Parker. like he looks like, like stuck in the mud. It's crazy. And, you know, that's a Division One cornerback for Oklahoma. Like, that's not right. some slouch, you know what I mean? And, and so his, his acceleration is crazy. He's, he's, great on, he's great on deep balls. He's great up the scene. You know, if you put him one-on-one, he's going to beat you deep. But on top of that, uh, I like his hands. He's, kind of, he's got, like, pretty – he's got magnets for hands. He's catching everything. And he's pretty good underneath. Like, he runs a couple, like, out routes that are, like, really clean. He's good with his, his eyes, like, pressing vertical. He's good, like, attacking leverage. So he's kind of like a well-rounded slot receiver. And then he has that crazy speed. He's a little undersized. He's a little just at 180 pounds. 
like probably need to put on a little bit of weight if you want to if you want to sustain a longer career. But overall, I think he's like a pretty well, another well-rounded guy, and he and he's another guy who returns. One other question I had was, uh, I'm not gonna say his name anymore. So I call him <laughs> Kiki. But uh, another question I had on him, I only saw two short cut-ups. They're probably three minutes each, and I, I saw most of his touches were just generated behind the line of scrimmage, kind of what we were talking about with Jarvis Landry earlier. Is that is that a trend with how they utilize him, or is that just a sample that I that I'm getting just on a short clip, short clips? It's probably part. It's probably part of the sample. Uh, so many times that they throw, they throw him the ball off the seam or on like a slot day, he catches it. Like he's crazy on, on deep balls. And he, they, I don't even know how much production came from it, but it's probably, it has to be a lot. But yeah, mm-hmm. they, they give they give the ball a lot to him short, and then maybe on like the little five yard out routes. But I think it's kind of just them getting the ball in his hands, and they they run so many plays. I mean, technically, yeah. like they'll snap the ball like a crazy number of times per game that they're just trying to get the ball to the athletes in space, and that's that's kind of part of what they did with him. That's good. Yeah, I definitely like to hear that. I wanted to see him kind of run more routes out, out over the middle, out in space. Um, have you have you checked out Kiki yet, Zach? I've watched him last year through a lot of Mahomes, and I also watched a little bit this year through uh, you know some other guys like Shimanek and Stephen Parker was actually the safety for uh, Oklahoma number ten. So I did watch you know that game for Stephen Parker, and I saw QT uh, running past him. By the way, Parker has the worst angles and run support of all time, but <laughs> so it doesn't shock <laughs> me at all. Doesn't shock me at all that QT was running past him. But yeah, I love Kiki QT. I think he's a day one just weapon for an offense. You can you know use him all over the place. Utilize them, you know, down the field, short routes, uh, screen plays. You can use a punt returner, kick returner. I really like that in receivers, and I think that's why QT is going to score pretty high for me. But I haven't officially watched him yet. But he's probably going to score fairly high just because of that versatility all over the place. I, at times, I do like him more than Kirk because I think he's just more explosive than Kirk. And I love, I love Christian Kirk. I think he's got great hands and everything. But I like the explosiveness, and you know, I think he's a great uh, versatile player, just like Kirk. Yeah, he definitely has that extra dynamic for sure. And at number eleven, you had Marcel Aitman, and uh, I'm pretty sure you had him a lot higher going into Mobile, Brad. So what kind of happened to Mobile? And uh, where did you have him beforehand? So I, I don't, I had him high as far as the Senior Bowl receivers went, but I didn't have an official ranking. I had to watch guys run from the Senior Bowl, so part of it was him just kind of get passed up. Like I watched Deshaun Hamilton, who I didn't originally think was going to be there, and he passed him up, and Byron Pringle and Kuti. So it's kind of like he did. He, his grade didn't go down. His ability to win contested catches showed up a lot on film, and then it kind of got to Mobile in the first two days. He wasn't really running, winning contested catches. I think part of that was him trying to prove that he can run routes like all the smaller receivers, and he really can't. But that's okay. If you win with a guy on your hip consistently, it's okay. I think right. he kind of that on day three and started to win more contested catches, but you got to gotta see that consistency, and that's, that's kind of something I didn't see. Uh, but I still like him. I, I still think he's a guy who, who projects – as like high end, as he projects his ceiling as like a high end number two and a guy who just win 50, 50 balls for you in the intermediate and downfield. So it's something I gotta ask. I just want, I just want to kind of get your take on Corlin Sutton. So what kind of what what makes Aitman better than Sutton for you right now? I think Aitman has better hips than Sutton, and I think because of that, his his body control, yeah, Sutton's body control is a little more clunky. It's a little more rigid, and it's kind mm-hmm. of the same with Saint. It's kind of the same with Saint Brown. And Sun doesn't create separation much at all. But and Amy doesn't create that much more. But I think that he's he's better in his, in his body control in it, and as a result in his ball skills because he's a little bit looser in the hips. And then on top of that, Sutton is allergic to stock blocking, and right. it may be the best blocker in the class. And like that's a pretty good amount of points that he's that Sun was going to miss that his side is missing out on the scale. Gotcha, Zach. Any take on Aitman? 
I've watched only a little bit of him. I actually watched mostly uh, him through Washington when I was watching some of Washington. Yeah, Aitman's just that big body guy who makes a lot of great contested catches. And then, yeah, down in Mobile, I just didn't see it much. Uh, I know Brad and I were watching a lot of the receivers. I just, nothing really stood out to me. I know Brad was hyping him up a lot because that I think that was Brad's highest receiver down there going into the week. And I just, I wasn't very high. I, I just didn't see much when we were down there. Guys like Hamilton and Pringle and... Even Washington, I think, played had a better week than him down there. But it doesn't mean he's a bad player. I haven't really watched all his tape yet, so I can't really officially say. But Aitman, I know down there, didn't really show up. In the game, he actually looked much better. But throughout the week of practices, he didn't look as great. Yeah, I agree with you completely. Definitely left a lot to be desired. Uh, among the big-body guys there, I think uh, Alan Lazard even looks better than he did in practices. Um, at 12, you got Trey Quinn is his name, right? Trey Quinn. Yep. He's actually Sutton's teammate. Right. What do you like about Trey Quinn? I've heard some great things. I just haven't gotten to him yet. So, Trey Quinn, uh, when I was watching uh, Cortland Sutton, I watched their full games. There, there was four full games that I watched. Uh, then I went to the cutups. But every single game that I watched full game, Trey Quinn was more impressive to me than Cortland Sutton. He's a guy who he's wins at, he wins at all levels. I don't, he didn't have a drop in the entire games I watched him. Like, religion to believe that his hands are great. He's a guy who's going to win at all levels. He's good at releasing. Uh, they really like to get him the ball, and he's good without. He has great he, with the ball. He has great vision. Like he, he had to catch a curl route and then find some space, or he'll catch an out route, find some space at the sideline. Like I put a couple of clips on YouTube or uh, a couple of clips on Twitter, and that, that that's kind of what it shows. And then on top of that, you know, he's another guy who's decent size. He's over six feet. He's over two hundred pounds. He can rise. There's a, there's a play where he rose up over the middle and caught with one hand. He's a guy who like he's loose in his midsection, and his body control is great. And like he has such great hands that. He kind of reminds me, this isn't just a race thing, but he kind of reminds you of Chris Hogan in kind of like the sense of like he really can play like outside, inside, like be a vertical threat, be, a, be after the catch threat, and kind of be like the all-around guy. Zach, mm. have you gotten to Quinn yet? I'll be completely honest. Before Brad said anything about him, I had no clue who Trey Quinn was. <laughs> so I, I have never, I have not heard of him from a big name guy. I've not seen his name on any sites. I didn't know he was in this draft. I had no clue who Trey Quinn was. But now he's one hundred percent a guy I need to go back and watch because if he's Brad's top twelve receiver, I should probably go watch him. Right. So here's here's the thing. Here's a little backstory about Trey Quinn. When he was a senior in high school. He set the all time high school football receiving yardage record, and I think he's the now the, he's the Louisiana champ. Uh, all-time leader catches and like yards and like touchdown receiving touchdowns. So he was like all-time leader in yards and he's a Louisiana leader in, in uh, catches and touchdowns. And he was like a four-star recruit, went to LSU for two years, transferred to South last year. And then this year had like 1,400 yards and like double the touchdowns and like all like 30 more catches than Sutton did. So like he has done nothing in his career except produce. You know what I mean? And like you're you're over six feet, you're a little lower six foot, you're lower 200 pounds, and you have this crazy amount of production. I don't see why he's not getting talked about more. I remember, uh, like, midseason, uh, I was just looking at some stats, and I, I noticed he was leading the team in receive, uh, receptions, receiving yards, and touchdowns. And I just love seeing that as someone who wasn't too high on uh, Cortland Sutton. I, I don't know if that makes me a bad person, but I just love seeing that Quinn was outperformed, or that Sutton was getting outperformed by a teammate. In, in every big situation uh, in those four games I watched, like, any, like, third and long or fourth down, they were going to Quinn, too. Like, it was... It was a foreign conclusion that they were going to quit. And that's yeah. another thing that you, you could see that they had more trust in him as far as a play-to-play guy, like in, in a big situation. Yeah, Sutton, like Sutton, everybody make more flashier plays, but Quinn's right. Well, that's a big thing I look at too when I'm looking at receivers. I think 
I think it was you that pointed out to me, Brad, that said, like, whenever the Patriots have a, a key situation, they always go to Danny Amendola, you know? And and that has been a thing, ever like, ever since that, and, you know, kind of before that, I always look when I'm evaluating receivers, like, third and long, fourth and whatever, you know, fourth quarter of the game, late in the game, who are they going to? And that's a, that's a huge thing when it comes to receiver evaluation because that shows what offenses trust. And it was it was really funny to see that because I remember in the Super Bowl, every single big play, I looked at my dad and like, I'd be like, Danny Amendola. Even on that on that very long play that they had, uh, I think in like the first quarter or something like that down the sideline, I was like, told you, Danny Amendola. So, I mean, that that's kind of what I look at now with receivers. Another big aspect I add to like my grading is kind of who are they going to in the big situations. And if Trey Quinn's that guy over Sutton, that says a lot about both those players to me. What, what game were we just talking about? The Super Bowl. Uh, oh, did Super I say that? We don't talk about. We don't mention that. <laughs> who, who won that Super Bowl? I, just, I don't know. I don't remember. I'm so foggy right now. <laughs> right, we, won't, we won't talk about that. But Zach, I'll give you a chance to put Brad on blast real quick. Who who in, that is missing from his top twelve? So who is who is the guy you're the highest on that Brad doesn't have ranked in the top twelve? Hmm. Mine is Cedric Wilson for me. I yeah. Think Somewhere. It would probably be Cedric. Uh, I think Cedric would pro- is probably like a top six or seven guy for me. I, I, love, I love how he runs his routes for a taller guy. I think he can really get up and really get up there with contested balls. I, I hate how skinny he is, though. So I don't know if that kind of factors in with Brad, too. But, you know, he, he's a very versatile player, runs great routes, has good size, good length. So that's why he kind of jumped up for me back when I watched him. That's why Cedric is, I think, a top six or seven player for me. I didn't mind. I didn't mind Wilson. I had the, the next three players I had that were left off the the Twitter ranking were Deontay Burnett, Cedric Wilson, and DJ Chark. So okay. like, I know that uh, DJ Chark. I'll make up be having Wilson and Chark in there, but and some that uh, just like those guys. Like I still think Wilson right. it's like third round. I'd, I'd be fine with that. Like I think because he is he is pretty versatile. If you took Chark in the third round, I'd be fine with that too because his potential is so high with how smooth he is and his combination of size. So it's kind of like I, I not only dislike those guys. Like, right. I think they're good players, and I think they have a role at the next level. It's just, I like a couple guys a little bit more. Yeah, I think that, like, class is, like, you could have receiver 6, mm-hmm. receiver 15, and they're, like, almost interchangeable at this point. Like, there yeah, are so, the, so many of those middle guys. That's what I was going to say. Like, after Ridley, maybe Pettis, and, and Tate, DJ Moore, after that, like, there's, like, 15 guys you can just really just mix and match throughout the, the rest of those rankings. But now we're going to have a little fun. We're going to talk about this combine testing. Brad's going to predict the – best tester at each position or at each uh, event so Zach just to give a little background I know we talked about it on the podcast before I'm um, just go through uh weigh-ins with, with Brad and just how he was predicting all these guys <laughs> weights and stuff <laughs> all right yeah so for all the people listening who didn't listen to our uh post-senior bowl podcast here so Brad and I were sitting next to each other at the weigh-ins for you know all the guys going up there it's a very awesome event by the way where you're just going up there watching guys in these very tight shorts stand on a yes. scale and and yell out their weight like they're like they're uh, hogs at a state fair but anyway but anyway it was it was funny because brad started just guessing these guys i, I wouldn't even say guessing because he's getting them right so he was accurately predicting these guys heights and weights before they were getting up there and I tried to jump in. I was like, oh, screw it. I can, I can do better than this. It's kind of like the hold my beer type thing. It's like, hold my beer. I got this. And then, so I was jumping in and I was like, I, I can do this. And then I was like, this guy right here, he's like 6'2", like 200. And Brad's like, nah, 6'1", 195. I'd be like, 6'1", 194 and a half. I'm like, God, how? It's like, just right there. And then the next one, I'm like, oh, this guy, 6'4", 250. He's like, no, no, no. 6'2", 230. It's like 6'2", 2 All right, Brad, I'm done. That's it. I'm only, I'm only going for like two times here. So, yeah, when Brad comes to the – when it comes to the height weight, when it comes to the speed scores, 
I just defer to Brad now. I don't even, <laughs> I'm not even going to try anymore. Yeah, Brad, obviously, um, we talked about his grading system, and he, he values athleticism, versatility, and all that. Um, you also have a track background, Brad, correct? Right. Yeah, so he, he's on top of it. Like, he'll, he'll, uh, he researches, like, their high school testing and track and field and all that, so he's really into it. So the 40-yard dash, obviously, the most polarizing event at the Combine. Who's going to be the fastest receiver this year, Brad? The fastest receiver? I think he's going to be DJ Chark. Ooh. He's like a great track background. I think the fastest overall is going to be either Tony Tony Brown or Dante Jackson, or maybe Naeem Hines. All mm-hmm. three of them have, have track backgrounds. Naeem Hines actually was in the 100-meter uh, finals at Nationals in high school when he was a junior, and he was the only junior in the finals. Everyone else was a senior. And yeah, I think he got six or seven. And Christian Coleman, who was world champion silver medalist this past season, also got two, like, race, also got, got second in that race. So he was, like, right, he basically ran right alongside Christian Coleman, who was a silver, who was a silver medalist. So it's kind of like, nine Hines can fly. Um, he would probably be my, my top pick for offense. And then on defense, either Tony Brown or Dante Jackson. Yeah, Dante Jackson, that's, that's who I'm calling my shot with. What about you, Zach? Fastest 40. Yeah, Dante Jackson was the guy. I've heard a lot of uh, hype about him. Actually, Tony Brown, I really like that pull, too, because I really see the, the speed of Tony, Tony Brown on tape. Uh, again, I, I'm not huge on track stuff, and I defer to Brad on most of that stuff, but uh, Tony Brown would not shock me at all. Yeah, he flies. He's the best 100 meter of anyone in, in the uh, in the class, uh, this, football, this football class. He actually ran a 10.12, which for those of you who like, aren't as well-versed, yeah, if, you're, you're, if you're running nine you'll go to the olympics and he's a 10.12 so he's relatively close it was wind aided but he, he was in the top 15 at track nationals as a, as a senior as a junior in college so like he is fast he, he is legit fast he flies so he's definitely i think he'll probably be my overall choice interesting yeah so just run through him brad the rest of them just give us uh, your top receiver and then top overall participant if you have it uh bench press who's gonna be the strongest guy Oof. receiver honestly i'd probably say james washington um, overall, I mean, it's got to be like hand. Like Will Hernandez, something, right? Like just on hand. What is Hernandez way like three forty? Like oh yeah, true. Yeah, I was gonna say Will Hernandez or Vice Bay. No, but either either of those. Really no, it's gonna it's, it's gonna be Deshaun Hand. Deshaun, you think so? I'm telling you, Deshaun Hand in the off season. There was a there was a report that came out with Deshaun Hand in the off season, right? He was benching two twenty five in, in front of a bunch of scouts and stuff, right? And he got to I think thirty five or forty reps. And he switched to, like, I, I don't know that he switched to one hand, but he looked over and he said, you guys want me to go 10 more? And he was just nonchalantly <laughs> talking to him. He was at, like, 35 reps on 225. So he he's a strong dude. I, it wouldn't shock me if he got close to the combine record with bench press. Interesting note, yeah, because uh, in Mobile, you saw Deshaun Hand. He was talking to teams all the time. Like, teams were just swarming him. And it's kind of surprising, you know, he, wasn't, he didn't really have, didn't really build that much of a resume at Alabama. That's definitely an interesting note, Zach. How about the vertical jump, Brad? Who do you got? Vertical jump, uh, I think. Oof, I think this could be. I think this could be a spot where a guy like. Oh man, that's tough. I think <laughs> this could be a spot where like Christian, like Christian Kirk could could really fly. Yeah, up. Really interesting. Like he he is that explosive, or I think that he he might be able to, he might be able to get up there. Overall, that one that one's tougher. Overall, probably be one of those corners like Tony Brown or Dante Jackson, one, one, or maybe even Isaiah Isaiah Oliver from Colorado. Yeah. Great, back, yeah. great track background with him. I uh, got any input, Zach? Vertical jump. I think vertical will actually be Pettis. I remember okay. hearing something in in the off season on Pettis. I think he hit like the Washington all time record or something like that for the vertical jump. I, I I have to look it up. I can't remember, but it was like I know it was in the forties. 
uh, with his vertical I'm, jump. I'm saving Pettis for, I'm saving Pettis for a, different, a different one. But yeah, I, I, I do think... It, you can double I do think... Yeah. I do, I, now that you mentioned, I do think I remember Denzel Ward having like one of the highest vertical yeah. jumps for Ohio State mm-hmm. of all time. So yep. that, he might be a candy too. Yep. Zach, what's your vertical jump? <laughs> Oh man, I think it was like twenty-eight or thirty, maybe. I'm like I'm like Dalvin Cook level with my jumps. Is that is that respectable, Brad? Uh, that's not bad. I mean, I, my my PR is thirty-two. So that was at I was as a fifth-year senior playing college ball, so that that was a lot of training yeah. into that. So yeah, my twenty. If you're, if my, you're in the if you're a, a high school football player or like a Division three football player in college, and you're around thirty, that's, that's pretty good. Yeah, I was at like twenty-eight, like junior year of high school and that was when i was like you know actually like running around a lot and stuff now i'm probably like 10 or something because i wouldn't even bother i wouldn't even bother to get off the ground now we have to have a breaking football combine uh we'll move on to the broad jump who you got there brad so that's where i was saving dante pettis more so yeah his long jump is uh when he was high school like i mentioned earlier it's 24 foot seven inches and i was eighth in the country so like absolutely ridiculous long jump, and if I'm gonna equate that to a combine event, it's it is the broad jump. Mm-hmm. Is the how you finish, like how you how you go in the air and how you finish is so similar. And he had that flexibility and he had that explosiveness that he could be like easily over 11 feet. But as far as like a bigger guy, like Mike Gusecki, apparently we, me and Chris mm-hmm. Spooner overheard Mike Gusecki saying he thinks he's gonna break the tight end broad jump record at the combine. So like he's a guy who could, and he's like kind of he's tall enough, but he's also a little on the lighter side, so tight end tight end go. That he might be able to have that explosiveness to get to get like you know eleven five or eleven six something like that. All right, Zach, yeah, you put on the broad jump. Not really. Yeah. No, I defer to Brad's Brad's expertise. I I put my couple two cents in with the other ones. I think from now on yeah. it's gonna be Brad's uh, expertise. Uh, I was seeing how long it would take for it to run out, <laughs> and then we just shit on Brad. But uh, the three cone drill, probably my favorite event. Who you got there, Brad? Uh, I think that, I think that's gonna be a drill. Kiki Kuti kind of just flies okay. around. Uh, maybe even Deontay Burnett, but I'd probably say Kuti because his his agility is just is and acceleration is just so is so crazy. Like if you watch that clip, like I mentioned against Oklahoma, and I tell you he's going to run a fast three cone, you'd be like, yeah, I I, I could buy that. So I think mm-hmm. I think he's he's probably my first candidate for that. So then we have the twenty yard and sixty yard shuttle, and for those who really aren't as familiar with these events, like myself. What's really the biggest difference between the 20-yard shuttle and the 60-yard shuttle besides uh, distance? Is it endurance, conditioning? Uh, the 60-yard shuttle is essentially pointless as far as combine events go. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I literally, I, I've never done it, and I don't think I've ever, I would ever ask anyone to ever do it. But the, the short shuttle, uh, also known as a pro agility, is a lot better as far as your stop and go and your lateral agility goes because mm-hmm. you're going five yards one way, ten yards the other, and then five yards back through the middle point. It's really good lateral agility, and that's kind of where I think a guy like Darren Carrington or, or Tayshawn Hamilton is going to thrive because I've seen their lateral agility show up on film, or even maybe Byron Pringle. I've seen their lateral agility show up on on film, and, and like your stop, your stop, or your stop start, right? Have to do that, and they're good, at, and they're good at that. So I'd probably say one of those three in the, in the short shuttle. I didn't miss any events, right? That's all we got. Yeah, I think that's it. Ooh, ooh. Um, we're going to revisit these these predictions in a month or two and see I- if. I actually, right or wrong. I actually have my one little thing I want to throw in about Pettis with the vertical jump. So you guys remember how King jumped 39 and a half last year, right? Mm. So King was one of the highest, I think he was the highest for cor- for corners or one of the highest for corners, right? And that was one okay. one of the reasons why he went that high. Uh, so King right. also jumped 39 and a half at Washington's like pro day thing, uh, King's senior year or, you know, King's last year on campus. Pettis at that same one, I think jumped 42 inches in the vertical. So 
Yeah, Christ. so so I think Pettis, <laughs> and if it were up to me, my guessing, I'm going to, Pettis and Hand are my two big guesses for those two events, and I, that's the only ones I'm going to guess. <laughs> Let, let's see, yeah. So, Brad, before you go, who do you think is going to be the, the biggest wide, uh, wide receiver riser after the combine? Do you think Pettis will win that title? Um, it, might be, it might end up being a guy like Chark, because Chark's yeah. obviously yeah. Like 40, and like, teams are going to see his, his height and weight. His, right. I, think he, I think he was a 6'3", at the yeah. and his length. And like when you pair that type of body with a guy who can run four three flat, teams are going to fall in love with that. And like he might sneak up into like the top fifty picks with a performance like that. I can see it. That would definitely be good for my brand. Um, <laughs> but, but, um, Brad, you got any closing words? Thank you very much for coming on with us. You just want to tell the people where they can find your work and what you do, pretty much. Yeah, I have one last thing to to put in here sure. as far as like the the track background goes. Like I I, I just elaborate on like I ran track in high school and now I coach track. So like the, the numbers are something that I usually kind of use to validate their athleticism before the combine comes up. Um, and then you did mention this earlier. The person who has the best track background overall is a guy is Isaiah Oliver out of Colorado. And I think yeah. if I was to to make a prediction based off like all around athlete uh, at the combine, like a guy who's going to be top five in all the different events. As position or something like that, it would probably be Isaiah Oliver. Uh, but anyway, my uh, Twitter is at Brad Kelly seventeen. That's K E E L L Y one seven. I write for you guys at Breaking Football at Breaking underscore FB and for Cover One dot net, which is at Cover underscore one underscore. I also write for Daily Mock Draft, which is at NFL Daily Mock. I think that I have Raiders, despite not being a Raiders fan. So I I put out every day. I put out a mock draft, seven round mock draft for the Raiders. Gotcha, and, and as I said before, Brad's a top wide receiver guy in the business. Definitely give him a follow. Zach, what, what do you want to say before we depart here? Oh, no, I got nothing. That was that was fun, guys, talking uh, combine scores receivers. Yes, sir. All right, as always, trust your eyes, not the hype.